The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation he provides for all who submit to him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. I think one of the most interesting things that you find when you go around the world and whether that means going around the world through history books or um, famous and important writings of religious dogma or actually going to different parts around the world, different countries, different uh, places. One of the most interesting things you find is how important it is for human beings to seek the presence of God. Now, the, the whole conception of God is pretty radically different from place to place and people to people and throughout different generations and so forth. But but the types of places that stand the test of time uh, so often are places of religious ritual and um, and practice and seeking after whatever it is any particular people group thinks of as God or the divine, the, the supernatural. Uh, you can think about so many ancient ruins, whether it's in... Um, the Americas or in Europe or in Asia or wherever, uh, temples that have been constructed hundreds of years ago with the the most intricate craftsmanship and the most uh, the sturdiest of materials, even though they may have degraded by now, they're still majestic to us when we look at them. And it's kind of the trash version of what it was in the beginning. You get it, right? This is so important for human beings. And we don't even have to look at it in terms of historical and archaeo- historical records and archaeological finds and that sort of thing. But you just listen to people. Whenever anything big happens, people will use God as the exclamation point for their thing, uh, which is not a very respectful way to speak about God's uh, name. And it's actually using it in a pretty empty way most of the time. But it reflects that this is something that's pretty elevated to people, even tied into their emotions or their experiences, whatever's happening in their life. More importantly, so many people are practicing different forms of spirituality, whether they be um, any kind of formalized religion or some sort of personal discovery. People are seeking the presence of God, seeking the presence of the divine. That's not something human beings came up with, you know. That's actually God's idea. That's how God built us because we're made to be like him. There's there's something missing whenever we don't have him as a the central piece that binds all of our lives together. And so it's natural that people are seeking the divine, seeking the supernatural, attributing things to karma or this God or that God or whatever. Meanwhile, the God who created all things, the Father of Jesus Christ, who welcomes all people into his family who will come to him through Jesus, he's right there saying, hey, come on, seek me. And I can be found. Actually, the Apostle Paul preached that in Acts chapter 17 whenever he was uh, in the city of Athens where they had all kinds of gods, including they had an altar to one god called the unknown god. Kind of like, hey, just in case we missed one, sorry about that, we're there. And Paul says, I want to tell you about him. And what does he want? He's overlooked times of ignorance so that people might seek after him and find him. That's the whole deal. Everyone's seeking after the presence of God. And more importantly than that fact, anthropologically and historically, God desires people to seek him in his presence. For the children of Israel, starting from Mount Sinai, God gave them various artifacts that were meant to embody and sort of house his presence in a spiritual sense. They recognized it wasn't actually fully God in his presence, but that was the the thought process or the the way God wanted them to think about it. 
And one of those that was most special in this regard is called the Ark of the Covenant. And if you start in the book of Exodus and then just track through the history of Israel for the next several centuries, all the way up until the time of King David, the Ark is really central. There's a tragic moment early in the period of, uh, of uh, the book of 1 Samuel where the Israelites took the Ark of God thinking, maybe if we carry this out with us to battle. And the Ark basically was, if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, that's, it's not bad. It's actually pretty close. It was this you know, box chest type thing overlaid with gold. It had various, um, I don't want to be disrespectful, but decorative elements to it. There were these uh, spiritual angelic type beings called cherubim that were uh, had their wings stretched out over the top of the the box, the the chest, and this was the 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 throne of God among His people. So this is where the people are supposed to think this is where God is. This is when He's among us. This is where God is among us, right? Okay, that got say, and they thought, let's take it into battle, and if we carry this thing into battle, then God will be with us because He'll be with us, and if God's with us, who could stand against us? We're gonna win the battle. Not the worst line of reasoning, except that wasn't really how it worked. Because the truth was, they weren't really pursuing God. They were pursuing power from God, but they weren't pursuing God himself. And it ended up the ark was taken away from them by their enemies. Now, the ark had found its way back into the nation of Israel, but it was sort of not featured. And whenever David becomes king in the beginning of the book of 2 Samuel, he starts setting up his kingdom in Jerusalem, city of peace. Now, God had promised centuries before in Deuteronomy chapter 12 that he would uh, mark out a city in Israel where he would place his name. And Jerusalem becomes that place, the place where his name is, where he is among the people. And so David says, you know what, we've got we to bring the ark into the capital. The heart of our nation needs to be given to God. And so we're going to bring the ark into Jerusalem so that we'll really be seeking God's presence. And uh, this record is found in 2 Samuel 6, but it's also found in greater detail in 1 Chronicles chapter 13 through 15. Chronicles and Samuel and Kings kind of overlapping stories. And I really like the account in Chronicles because I think it gives a little extra detail that helps us appreciate some lessons about what it takes to properly seek the presence of God as we ought. So if you come to 1 Chronicles chapter 13, it's just a really happy, beautiful time. Uh, you can start at the beginning, and it says that in verse 1, David consulted with all his leaders, the commanders of hundreds and of thousands. So he went to some experts, said, hey, what do you guys think we should do about this? Beyond that, he, uh, he goes, and it says he said to the whole assembly, if it seems good to you. Very kind of egalitarian, democratic, inclusive kind of uh, approach here. I want everybody to be on board. I want everybody to participate in this, David says. He goes and sends for all these people and says, hey, we didn't inquire of the ark. We didn't bring the ark back back in the days of the old King Saul. We're going to do it right now. We're going to do it the way we ought to do it. And so the whole assembly agrees, verse 4. So David got everybody together, verse 5. Uh, if you go on, it says in verse 7, they uh, made a new cart, like an ox cart. They were going to have some animals pull this cart, and they were going to have the, the ark ride on that cart behind. And so that's like, hey, this sounds great. There's a real investment here. Not only have we gotten some experts involved, we've all kind of gotten together and made a democratic decision. By the way, this is a very... This is a big-time unity movement. We're all in this together. Everybody believe, everybody's getting their friends, neighbors, etc. There's good motivation. We didn't seek God before. We need to seek Him now. Right, right, right. We need to do that. And then, like I said, in verse 7, they make this new cart. Verse 8, it says they were dancing with all their might before God, with songs, with lyres, with harps. I mean, they are so not only practically and financially invested in making this happen, they are emotionally invested, passionate in their worship. 
But then in verse 9 it says, When they came to Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah reached out to hold the ark because the oxen had stumbled. So imagine the scene. Here the ark, this the presence of God is being brought in on this uh, ox cart. Everybody's dancing, singing. I mean, you got the whole nation there. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's so happy. Tears of joy are just flowing. Everybody's singing the biggest songs they've ever sung. It's just like we're start. We're a new nation again. We're doing the right thing. This is amazing. And then the ox stumbles, and maybe the ark kind of teeters a little bit and starts to fall. And so Uzzah reaches out to stop it, and he grabs it just in time before it falls. And maybe you would think in that moment, whew, good, this almost went really badly. Unless you remembered what the Word of God had said about touching the ark. And if you didn't remember, you were about to get a reminder. Verse 10 says, Then Yahweh's anger burned against Uzzah, and he struck him dead, because he had reached out to the ark. So he died there in the presence of God. The law was that, hey, you can't just run around touching the ark. The ark of the covenant is the presence of God, and God is holy, and you're really not. Because of sin, because of the life you live, you, you cannot touch what this, this ark and actually live and actually make it. It's not going to work. This thing that had started so good, a good motivation, a good spiritual intention, let's seek God again like we didn't before in the past. Let's change. Let's be better all the investment they had made, all the unity that they had in this pursuit of the presence of God eradicated in one moment of death. Uh, Listen to what David has to say about this. In verse 11, it says, David was angry because of the Lord's outburst. It doesn't say who or what David was angry with. Was he angry at God? Was he angry at himself? Was he angry at Uzzah? Was he just angry just because things weren't going the way he wanted? I don't know. But this is not going the way you would have hoped. David was angry because of the Lord's outburst. Um, verse 12, it says, David feared God that day. And I don't think this is the, at least the, the fullest version of the good kind of fearing God that you read about in the Bible. Because listen to what he says. How can I ever bring the ark of God to me? In other words, what David says is, can I have God's presence? Can I be in God's presence? Because with what's happened here today, How? How would I ever bring God's presence to me? How would I ever be in God's presence again? You know, the search that human beings strive for in seeking after God's presence shows up this way. For some people, the way it shows up, I think about a friend of mine, uh, a friend of ours that we met a few years back uh, here in New York, and this person was from the East, and, uh, and they had tried out all kinds of different religions, Buddhism, Taoism. They were dabbling in Christianity because this person expressed... I, I know there's something missing, and I'm looking for something. Some people, even within uh, Christian circles, will try out different, if I can say it this way, different forms or attempts to, to express Christian faith, and will go from place to place and people to people and, and try out all these different techniques and tactics and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of times what it results in is just emptiness, anger, confusion, even a sense of hopelessness. How can I ever bring God to me? That's why human beings throughout the centuries have kept building temples and kept inventing new religions, which are really just different attempts to say, maybe this is how you get close to God. Maybe this is how you tap into the supernatural. This is maybe how you reach the divine from here, our place on earth. Maybe that's what it takes. I don't know. 
And we keep trying all these things over and over again, and it just ends in frustration, confusion, helplessness, and hopelessness. Time passes, and it's unclear exactly what was happening. By the way, the ark just gets diverted to someone's home, and it just stays there for a long time. When you come to chapter 15, you actually, of 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 15, you actually get some insight into how David, the man after God's own heart, who did all according to God's will, as God said about him, how he responded to this situation and how he didn't give up on the dream of seeking and finding the presence of God. Chapter 15, verse 1 says, David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. He hadn't given up on God's presence. He's coming after it. But listen to what he had apparently during that period of time learned that was necessary. Then David said, 1 Chronicles 15 verse 2, No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. In other words, David says, Hey, you know how we used the ox cart and all that stuff last time and we just had some people leading it? Not this time. We're going to use the people that God has chosen. We're going to do it God's way. We're going to seek Him according to His pathway. He actually furthers that. If you skip down to verse 11, He summons all the priests. In verse 12, He said to them, You are the heads of the Levite families. You and your relatives must consecrate yourselves so that you may bring the ark of Yahweh, God of Israel, to the place I prepared for it. For the Lord our God burst out in anger against us because you Levites, by the way, the Levites were a a particular family tribe of the nation of Israel that God had said would operate with the ark and all the implements of worship and God's presence. That's who he's talking to here is those people, the Levites. The Levites were not with us the first time for we did not seek him according to the rule. We did not seek him according to the rule. So verse 14 says, the priests and Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. You see the point here is David says, you know, we were seeking God before and that was good, but it turned out bad because we weren't doing it God's way. How often does that happen? All these different religious expressions, all these temples that have been built throughout history, all these religious movements that have started well-intended in terms of seeking after God. Think about Acts chapter 17 we referenced earlier. When Paul speaks to the pagan philosophers in Athens, he says, hey, I see you're very religious. And in a way, he's kind of complimenting them. Like, I know you guys are seeking after God. Cool, cool, cool. But you're not doing it according to the rule. Or in other words, you're not doing it God's way. You're doing it your way. I want to say this right now. If you are frustrated as you're seeking the presence of God, if you are frustrated with what you're finding, then Really what you're doing, part of the problem is, it may not be the whole problem. Part of it may be what happened with other people. And frankly, God has a way for dealing with that too. You need to read his word and find out about that. Oops, I'm kind of spoiling something here. But the reason why you're frustrated, why you're hopeless, why it feels like you can never find God's presence is because you're not seeking his presence his way. You're seeking his presence the way other people say, or you're seeking his presence according to the rule that maybe you think makes sense or whatever the case may be. If you're going to seek the presence of God, you have to seek the presence of God His way. Well, how do I know what His way is? How do I figure that out? How do I divine that out of nowhere? Where? What? Well, hang on a second. Listen to verse 15. 1 Chronicles 15, 15. Then the Levites carried the ark of God the way Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord on their shoulders with the poles. Where did they find out what God's way was? 
when they went back to the word that God had given. By the way, when they talk about what Moses had written, that was the word of God. That was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy especially. Um, How do you know the way, God's way, to seek after him? It's in his word. This is why Bible reading and Bible study are so important. It's not just to exercise like, oh, this will make me feel better, or I'll learn something interesting, or this will kind of add to my repertoire of thoughts about of spiritual things or ethics or whatever. No, no, no. When you read the Word of God, you're learning God's way of seeking after Him, of pursuing Him, of finding Him. That was what was missing before. Before, they had experts. There was a, a group decision, democratic decision that they came up with. Uh, It was a unity movement. It was something that came from a really good place. They all had really good intentions uh, that get acknowledged in the text. They're doing it passionately, and they're investing themselves fully in what they're doing. All that's fine, but they were missing the foundation. It's like if you build a whole house, Jesus would say this way, if you hear these words of mine and do them, you're like somebody who builds their house on a rock. There's a real foundation, and no matter what happens, that house will stand. On the other hand, if Jesus, if you don't do things according to my word, which would mean you're either A, not even listening to his word, or B, you're listening to it and just deciding, now I'm going to do something different. You don't seek things his way according to his word. Then it's like building a house on sand. There's not a real foundation. It's just that expert's opinion and this group's opinion and my good intentions and all the good stuff that we're doing or feeling or thinking. It's just going to wash out. It's like sand. And once the storm comes, the foundation gets washed out and the house will fall flat. That's what David and his people had realized. And this time they say, no, we're going to seek God. We're going to seek the presence of God in our lives and us in his. But we're going to do it his way, which we learn about in his word. Look at what happens at the end of this. Chapter 15 and verse um, 25. David, the elders of Israel and the commanders of thousands went with rejoicing to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom because God helped the Levites who were carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And with God's help, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. You don't need to seek God on your own is the message here. And if you would learn to seek God and to seek his presence, his way, which you find out about in his word, you're going to find joy. You're not going to have to be scared. You're not going to be helpless. You're not going to be angry. You're not going to have that sense of hopelessness. I'm, how can I ever come into God's presence or how can he ever come into my life? How could that ever happen? No, you'll go up with joy and God will help you in the pursuit of him. And listen to what David and those who are with him sang about um, whenever they brought the ark into Jerusalem. They sang a song that was written for this occasion in the next chapter, 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 8. If we'll learn to seek God's presence in the way that God has told us, which we find out about in the word that he has given to us, then these words can be ours as well. 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 8. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Proclaim his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell about all his wondrous works. Honor his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord. Seek his strength. Seek his face always. Amen and amen. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.